the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into our two of our on our daily three hour tour. No one to uh, do this uh, with better than uh, my old friend and uh, current guest, Brian T. Kennedy. He is the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger China, president of the American Strategy Group and uh, senior fellow at the Claremont Institute. He has a piece you can get over at Real Clear Politics up today, Boycott the Beijing Olympics. And I agree with every single word he writes here, as I typically do when it comes to Brian. Brian, welcome back and uh, Happy New Year to you. Well, Happy New Year, Seth. Great to be with you as always. You grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up in Phoenix. Do you need like 10 seconds to gloat over the NFL thing or should we move on? No, we can move. We can move on from that. I, was, uh, I, I think I was pulling for Phoenix. Okay, as it turns. Well, let's talk about something that, uh, no matter where you grew up, is uh, kind of happening to your hometown there, Los Angeles. Boy, I was just watching uh, story after story about the violence and homicide rate, and then they put you know they it, it's hard to grasp in numbers, but they put this Brianna Cup for the student. Uh, I think she was at UCLA. This uh, this story up. Boy, what is going on in Los Angeles? It's the city of angels, not so much, huh? Yeah, no. There, there's uh, there's for anybody who's been to Southern California, they know there's two or three different kinds of Southern California. There's a really violent part in the inner city of uh, some very good and decent Americans live there, and they've been subjected to the, the worst sort of social pathologies of our society. And so they suffer a great deal of crime. And then there's the sort of fancy parts of L.A. that can get subjected to crime from some of these folks who want to make, you know, big scores, robbing how you know, robbing people or burglar. Jewelry, cash. Yeah, sure. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, they, and they come to those parts of L.A., the vast majority of Southern California, like the vast majority of Phoenix, is suburban. And it's mostly crime-free, mm-hmm. filled with a lot of good, decent people who live very normal lives and who never see it. Mm-hmm. I live in, you know, sort of Claremont, Upland, the Inland Empire here in Southern California. We don't see the crime. Mm-hmm. We never go to those parts of, you know, Los Angeles, just as, just as I'm sure there are some really bad parts of Phoenix yeah, yeah. that the vast majority of people just never go to. Yeah. And and but in those places some very bad crime occurs. And one of the big problems here in Southern California is that the district attorney, Gascon of you know, Los Angeles, just doesn't prosecute them. They think it's so they think it's a lack of social justice to prosecute people who do these bad crimes as if the performance of these bad crimes somehow is to make up for the sins of America's past, which is just lunacy. 
Your daddy yeah. probably <laughs> knew more about crime than all the last five DAs of Los Angeles combined, and then some. Would he have thought that this was a problem of social justice? Uh, yeah, he, no one thinks it's a problem. My father, like most Americans, thought it's not that there's there's not social justice; they're just justice. Yeah, right. That we should that all that all men are created equal, and we should treat everybody the same. My dad was a L.A. policeman, homicide detective, narcotics detective. He had partners who were Hispanic and black, and it was it was just LAPD blue. It didn't matter what their color was, right? And they just and they just wanted Southern Californians to live in peace and harmony, and that there was law and order, and that was the reason we were uh, such a successful part of the country, Southern California, that we had law and order. And LAPD for many years was considered the finest police department in the country. Right. And there was a DA with a belief in law and order. And that's why Southern California, beside the, the climate, the beach and everything else. But that was one of the reasons that Southern California was so successful. And you will find around the country that the most successful places have very sound police departments with very sound prosecutors who believe in law and order. And it's just common sense, right? Yeah. No one wants bad people to thrive from doing bad things, and everybody wants a, a safe community. One of the first purposes of government is to ensure domestic tranquility. Right. Right. And, that, and that's not a small thing, domestic tranquility. It's a big thing. It may be a central thing. And when you don't have it, there's a big problem. I want to do your China piece and spend a lot of time with you on that. But can I stay here for just a few more moments on this? Uh, Because a lot of us are trying to scratch our heads and figure out how it comes to be that we get used to this sort of thing. Uh, two, Two quick things. You take it however you want. Take it in any direction you want. I was speaking with a woman who did quite well. Uh, In her life and in her business, she's probably in her 70s now, lives here, has for 25, 30 years, talking to me at a reception about her business. And she said, well, we had it in so-and-so neighborhood in Los Angeles. She wouldn't go there now, of course. And then she moved on to the next sentence. And I thought, boy, whoa, 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 what has happened to a society? America, we used to think about this in other countries where we just kind of assume and wash over and just move on from the notion that there are no-go places in America, much less Los Angeles, thought one, thought two. Brian, are we in a dangerous place as a society or is your state in a particularly dangerous place? Because I thought the recall effort, you know, you looked at all the indicia uh, for the governor's recall last year, and I thought, well, for certain they're not going to put up with this any longer. And they double down on it, and I and I just wonder if we've become used to decadence or something like that, or or if just the people who can afford it don't have to live amongst those that can't, and they don't think. Help me out here. What, what am I onto something, or am I missing something? Yeah, no, that seems like a very good analysis. Uh, what you're saying, and it, it's very hard to put your finger on it because everyday common sense people, when they see their communities deteriorating you would think that they would want a more strict, right. you know, either police department or district attorney or what have you, making sure that that did not continue. Yeah. But I think people are very confused by all this. Oh. That, you know, you elect a, a sheriff or a police, you know, you don't elect police chiefs, but 
you elect a city council and they hire a police chief, you expect them to want law and order because they live in the same community. Right. And when you don't get it, you're kind of confused on what's happening, and you tend to think, well, something. I, I just may not understand something. But you can also look at the indices of, of people buying guns yeah. and ammunition. Yeah, good point. And people are people are doing that because they don't think exactly. You know, they don't want to hurt people. <laughs> they just want to protect their families, right? Yeah, and they think that maybe the police department is not going to do a good enough job and that they may have to do it themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so and so that's a concern. And by the way, the majority of people, I think, buying guns in Southern California over the past two years are mostly brown and black people. Yeah, I would imagine. Who, who live in these communities, who see that the police does not seem to be caring about enforcing law and order. And they see that the DA is not prosecuting these bad people who commit crimes against people in their community. Yeah. And so they're buying guns to protect their families, and that's a discouraging thing. Yeah. And so I think it's time for our side to start finding better sheriffs and better DAs and governors who are willing to believe in law and order again. And I just, I, I, I think it's the first job of government. Yes, and 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 it seems when government starts getting busy on all these kinds of things we never expected them to, like telling stores not to have pink and blue baby shopping sections, I suppose, they start neglecting what they were originally put there to do, I suppose. Yeah, well, there's that, and there's also, you know, if you steal below, is it, I think, there, I think there are parts of California where if you steal something or shoplift something that is below a certain number. Yeah, 900 was what I saw last, but yeah, that's right. 900, yeah. but I think there are some places where it may be over 1000 Yeah, I'm sure there would be. Between a, between 1000 and $2,000, they're not going to get arrested. Well, that's just carte blanche to commit all sorts of crimes. And, and reduce and reduce your crime statistics. Well, and right, if it's not a crime, right, we no longer call well, that a felony. Yeah, 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 no, no, by definition, but also we know in the history of crime in America is that people just graduate up to bigger and bigger. Oh, absolutely, crimes. absolutely. Like if you look at the statistics, one of the very worst crimes one can commit is burglary, right? Because if you're willing to go into someone's home, yeah knowing that they may have a gun, yeah. you tend to graduate from there to really... I mean, burglary is, is by the way, a violent crime. Oh, yeah, and your sense of right and wrong out. when it comes to live or die, right. at that point, the burglar but, has already made that. Brian, I have to take a quick break. We can finish that thought and then do China when we come right back. Is that cool with you? Great. Be right Please. back. Please, great. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you from the Guns Etc. studio. Uh, Brian Kennedy is our guest, chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger. We were talking a little bit about crime in Los Angeles just because I know him as uh, having been uh, having grown up in L.A. and uh, being a resident of L.A. County. But it's peace and real clear politics today. Boycott the Beijing Olympics. As I said, uh, introducing him in the last segment, I agree with every single word he writes. 
Brian, um, the American way of life has been destroyed over the past two years by a virus that came from communist China. Politically, economically, and socially, America has been devastated. Why, then, is the U.S. Olympic team preparing to head to the Be- to Beijing to participate in what, all those words are yours now, I'll just add mine, will be a political and media and uh, credibility victory for communist China. This is our concern. This is our problem. This is a present danger. Take it away. Yeah, well, no, look, when you have an Olympics, you're celebrating what? You're celebrating the way of life of the country that is putting on the Olympics, right? And so you go, you watch the Beijing Olympics, and it's going to be hour after hour, and either, either in a grand way or in a subtle way, an expression of why communist China is a great country and a good country and an interesting country and a country filled with shiny, happy people who are just like you, even though they speak Chinese. And all these things you hear in the news about all these problems, well, they're really they're really just like you. And so you really, you know, we have to just get along. When, in fact, over the last two years, our lives have been destroyed by communist China and the fact that they let the Wuhan virus escape from communist China. They prevented it from going throughout China, but they let it go through the rest of the world. And you and I and the rest of the listeners have been living through lockdowns and wearing masks and vaccinations and the economy getting screwed up and us not being able to go about our daily lives the way we used to. And that's because of communist China. They have never apologized. They've never taken responsibility. They've never said a word about this other than to blame us and the rest of the world. And make it harder for, for us to investigate its origins, right? I mean, they've done a fair amount right, of that right. as well. Right, right. Well, they, yeah. they, they, they've still never given us the actual uh, genomic sequence right. of the virus itself, which made testing early on problematic and, and, and everything else. And that's because of them. And so we're supposed to now have an Olympics. U.S. corporations are going to send billions and billions of dollars to communist China to put it on, to spread propaganda through the United States over the course of two weeks on just what a great country this is. And all I'm asking the American people to do, just out of common sense, and I think most of the American people are way ahead of me on this, is to not watch. Don't send our team over and to at least, regardless, appreciate the fact that the problems we have in America today, including 850,000 Americans who have died, is due to communist China. That's how it's affected us, we Americans. There's also the human rights abuses they have to their own people, right? That's separate from what they do to us, but to their own people. They commit all sorts of atrocities from repressing their political speech to the Uyghurs, who they put in concentration camps. They they have forced organ harvesting of the Uyghur people, where they literally take, they kill them and take their organs and sell them on a global market, something that has earned them the, the description of engaging in genocide mm-hmm. by the Trump administration mm-hmm. and the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. Both have called them committing genocide. And they treat the women in these camps 
as sex slaves mm -hmm. for the People's Liberation Army. Now, whether it's what they've done to America or what they've done to the Uyghur people and the other people of China, I'm just wondering why we're sending an Olympic team to China to act like none of this is going on and to gloss over the fact that China does these bad things both to Americans and to their own people. And the executives at NBC, of course, will not mention any of this over the course of two weeks. Or, you know, Coca-Cola or Airbnb, that. right? All, all of these what used to be known as American co companies. I mean, it's hard to call them American companies anymore. <clears throat> Sad to say. And, and, and there are especially woke companies yeah. who believe in all sorts of social justice. Right. Who will remember the sins of the American past 100 years ago, 150 years ago, but cannot, cannot somehow remember what is going on in the very country they're putting this on today. Brian, this has been the most confusing point ever. How is this country so consumed with a portion of it, the smaller portion of it, by the way, having slavery and ending it over 150 years ago, but being totally blind and apologetic to the regime that's engaging in it today before their very eyes. How, how is this possible? How is this, how is this possible? My own view is that there's an ideological affinity and, uh, w w with communist China. That's my own view. I th uh, look, I think you're absolutely right. I think Painful as I it think is to admit. A, yeah. yeah, I think there's a certain part of the American left that looks at communist China and thinks that they're somehow at a, a different level of political progression, as it were, from the United States. You hear people like Bill Gates or, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or others describe just how envious they are at times mm -hmm. of communist China and mm -hmm. the fact that they don't have to, to deal with this, you know, annoying little thing like democracy yes. or right. representative government that the communist Chinese party is able to make these decisions so quickly and really move forward with the kind of progress that they have in communist China. And I think there is a part of the American left that is very sympathetic with communist China, and that's part of our problem here. And, 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 and maybe China. larger, maybe larger, maybe larger. I mean, my, my producer, Bill, is good about reminding me, and I'm not as good as doing it as I wished, but, you know, people who called it the China virus or the Wuhan virus, you know, there was a large part of the Democratic Party here that 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 even tried to change the name. I remember Andrew Cuomo giving press conferences, calling it the European virus, just to just to completely a let China off the hook. Well, I suppose what indict his his own ca Caucasian skin color, which I don't understand the point of. But there was this this whole dis misdirection campaign going along with it, too. Um, maybe come back on that point as I have to head into another break, but you can stay for the hour, right? I mean, we've got a lot yes, to un yes, please. Un no, no, yeah, please. unveil here. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, maybe come back on that point. Why, why this effort to, if not cover up, but uh, even dismiss the crimes if it's not explained by ideology i mean i just i i maybe it was used as a as as a political effort against donald trump but you know having done that having efforted that to a fairly well why still why now brian kennedy is the chairman of the committee on the present 
Danger and a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute from Once All Good Things Come. And we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brian T. Kennedy, chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger, president of the American Strategy Group, is with us. His piece up at Real Clear Politics today, boycott the Beijing Olympics. Brian, there was, it does seem to me, just as I was saying right before the break, if you might comment on it, there does, there did seem to be more so, surprisingly or not, when Trump was president, a bit of a misdirection by a lot of American uh, political and other opinion leaders um, to take China off the hook for this virus. Um, there seems to be efforts even right now by Anthony Fauci to continue doing so. And, and, and one has to wonder, part of it, part of it must be ideological and, and, and part of it must be, I don't know what, some kind of not wanting to stir the pot with China almost an appeasement kind of strategy that seems like it's going on at a diplomatic or sub-diplomatic level. But it's odd. I mean, we didn't have this when there was a Soviet Union. Why do we have it when there's a China that's equally or worse uh, in, 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 in what it's doing to us and the rest of the West? Yeah, no, I think that's a great observation, Seth. I, I think you really nailed it. It doesn't make sense. It really does seem like misdirection. And it really does seem like the American left, when Trump was president, wanted to blame Trump rather than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, you wouldn't want to unite the country against against communist China, which is what the logical thing would be. <laughs> which right. is what would have which is what would have happened during the Cold War. Right. We would have been we would have been united against yep. the Soviet Union. But the last thing the left wanted to do was to unite us. And so just in terms of the division that was going on, they very much wanted to embrace the notion that it was not communist China and that everything that was going to transpire was going to be a referendum on how Donald Trump handled, you know, COVID-19. And, and I think that really sets the stage for why China is let off the hook, even to today. And Fauci who, if you read Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book on the real Anthony Fauci, you just get this horrific portrayal of a man who was willing to do anything to advance his own scientific agenda and political agenda. And I think, I, I think strangely that much of our problem over the last two years could be put you know, right at the feet of the communist Chinese. But there is a substantial part of it that can also be put at the feet of Anthony Fauci and both how he dealt with the virus in the research phases of this and how he dealt with it once it came to the United States and the fact that we didn't use certain therapeutics. And so you see both the corruption of the Chinese Communist Party and the corruption of American elites, including the medical elite like Fauci. And you get the problem we have today. And, and you have to maybe add a third, uh, maybe a third leg to this stool that kind of shows the difference between where we were with the Soviet Union and today. And, you know, the entire progressive effort to change us through our 
pedagogy and education system. When we boycotted in 1980, you didn't see American corporations like you see now. Uh, for example, Coke and Airbnb is the one I, the, is the article in front of me from the Washington Post opposing these boycotts and saying, "Well, we're going to we're gonna, the the hell with the president of the United States or the hell with the hell with the idea of boycotting a country because of its ideology and actions." Uh, you just didn't see that. Hell. Jimmy Carter enlisted Muhammad Ali to go and get people on board with the boycott, which he did for a while until he he was converted in the middle of it. A funny story in and of itself. But there, there, there wasn't, uh, shall we say, an American undermining of our opposition to communism as recently as 1980 when it came to this sort of thing, imagery. There is now. There is now. Yeah. No, there really is this affinity for totalitarianism. They, they they don't like to call it totalitarianism. It, it flies under the banner of progressivism or what have you, but it, it really is. There's a vanguard in Chinese communism is at the vanguard, and right there with them are the most radical parts of American progressivism. You bet. You bet. And they do and they do fly together, and they do have this grievance against Western civilization. And everything that we who believe in freedom hold dear, they hold it together. Well, I mean, it doesn't take much more than to say the most popular grassroots movement that reached the grass tops probably in our lifetime, you know, getting the NBA to put its banners uh, all over the all over the courts, getting getting mayors and governors to march in lockstep and rename streets was a movement founded by two admitted Marxists, two out of three admitted Marxists. Uh, Brian Kennedy is our guest. His piece on the uh, Beijing Olympics up at Real Clear Politics, chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger China. He'll be right back with us in just a moment. We've got some caller questions for him as well. I'm Seth. He's Brian. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brian T. Kennedy, our guest, his piece up at Real Clear Politics, realclearpolitics.com. Boycott the Beijing Olympics. It's a fabulous piece. Brian, here and there, I mean, we get these, um, I don't know, reveals or tells. You had this minority owner of the Golden State Warriors uh, speaking uh, basically as an apologist for China, which kind of gives you an insight into the NBA's thinking, I suppose. But. It is very odd that, you know, a country that has spent the last 60 years telling itself never again and erecting museums to teach about concentration camps and a country that has turned itself um, inside out, rightfully in many respects, in understanding uh, the, the, the issue of slavery in America, when we had it, where we had it, why we had it, how it ended, how it should have ended. It's just very hard to animate people on these things going on right now. You have you have this odd, what would you say, toxic confluence of concentration camp. The, really, the worst of World War II combined with the worst of the 19th century taking place right now, and Americans can't seem to animate against it so much as they happily can animate against their own government and country. That's 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 a pretty good ideological warfare they've waged on us and a pretty, pretty bad commentary on how strongly we believe in ourselves, too, in a way, isn't it? 
Yes, that's a great way of putting it, by the way. The best of the best that the worst of the nineteenth century and the worst of World War Two. Yeah, taking that place really before our eyes. Things we promise yeah, never to allow right. ever to happen again. Exactly. Right, right, right. No, that, that's 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 the, well, the interesting part of that is that's what they're doing to themselves. Right. And you might say, well, Americans, you know, they look at that and they think, we can't fix everything. Uh-huh. We can't really be expected to fix that, that, which is slavery and what have you going on within communist China. But what about the 850,000 Americans yeah. who died? Yeah, what about that? Because, because communist China allowed this virus yeah. to spread throughout the world and to the United States. Uh-huh. What about that? You would think that would animate the American left to be at least uh, somewhat critical of communist China, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. But it doesn't seem to be, as you pointed out before we went to break. Yeah, that that I would have thought. I would have thought, just for low political purposes, that the American left could have criticized communist China because at least it would have made them look tough against a foreign enemy who means us harm. Right. But but they won't even go there, which is very, very odd. So you kind of think that there is this confluence of elite opinion in the United States. You know, the, the oligarchs, as it were, who run Wall Street and big tech and big pharma and big American media, they're sort of together with the communist Chinese, and they're all in it together against the populist American movement that Donald Trump represented. And anything that might give him political oxygen, they're going to oppose. And that they're just going to gut it out and see whether or not their own critique of American society, now I'm talking about the American left, that their critique of the American society and American history will be enough to win them future elections. And you and their alliance with this globalist worldview will be enough. That's a perfect seg to a caller is on the hold. I'll just for purposes of time try and encapsulate his question as I understand it. You and I have been part of the conservative movement, Republican Party, long enough to have found people and movements and organizations within our movement who, you know, have been too deferential to China from time to time. But it does seem if you're looking for a party that has a real relationship with China, there there seems to be something about the Democratic Party that's just a little bit more entrenched with them than, than feels comfortable, isn't there? Well, yes, but of course, uh, we're equal opportunity. <laughs> right, right. The, the, the Republican Party in the business community has been very much pro-China. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. Consider the fact that that Mitch McConnell, the, uh, the Senate Minority Leader, has very intimate family ties with Communist okay. China. His wife's, his wife's uh, father is a. Chinese shipping magnet who's given McConnell's family, I think, over $25 million. Mm-hmm. And Mitch McConnell's sister-in-law is on the board of directors of the People's Bank of China, oh the my. central bank. Oh, my. Okay. And so, and so there, you know, even the Republicans have their intimate relations with communists.
communist China because communist China means to take over the United States. Mm-hmm. And so they would not just take over one party, but they would seek to take over both parties if they could. And along comes Donald Trump, not to, not to just needlessly mention the former president, but Trump comes up and says, wait a minute, we, we have these very bad deals with communist China and where, you know, a lot of American industry, including Wall Street, is in bed with communist China. We've got to change all that. Such begins a political war that occurs at the start of the Trump presidency where you really have both parties and Wall Street and communist China against the Trump presidency. And I think I think the world we're living in today is still playing that out. That sounds right to me. And again, I'm thinking and the the analogies aren't perfect because there wasn't a lot of business opportunity back in the day. But it did seem like when Ronald Reagan spoke of the evil, well, spoke of the Soviet Union, the way Donald Trump spoke of China. Let's put it that way. When when Ronald Reagan did so, there was such pushback um, that that and, and a lot of it came from within the Republican Party and a lot of it came from within the commentariat. Not perhaps because of lucre the way you might attribute it now, but it does seem that there's a large part of the American people that – or at least the leadership in the political parties that doesn't like to think of us in terms of good versus evil and good versus bad. And that's a real shame. That's a real shame and probably probably the death knell of any anything that wants to call itself a civilization when it can no longer distinguish between good and bad regimes. Yeah, no, I think that that sounds right to me. And uh, unfortunately, the Republican Party is not is not or not adequately, I would say, on the side of the American working yeah. man. Yeah, and we've done a lot to to ship overseas American jobs. Mm-hmm. And what what Trump and the the MAGA movement is trying to do is bring those jobs back to America, and that flies in the face of a lot of Republican orthodoxy when it comes to free trade. Yep. The battle is the battle is great, but we're glad you're in front of it. Brian T. Kennedy, chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger. You know what? Let me give out the website, presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org. Brian, don't be a stranger. This was so useful and helpful. I thank you for your brain. I thank you for your time. Thank you, Seth, and thank you for all you do uh, to advance the cause of freedom. Bless you, sir. Godspeed. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. To the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, this looks interesting. Let me take this, see if we can work this in real quick. Mark in Scottsdale. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you, Seth? I'm doing great. I'm well. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Not so good. I'm oh. probably down with the uh, COVID virus that Biden was going to save us from, so I'm home sick today and our rare, prayers and blessings, to to, our prayers and thoughts to you, and encouragement well, as well. Something tells me you. you'll you'll make it through. Say, your radio station runs a blurb that says that you're required to post or, or run yeah. um, various political. Yeah, some um, you may agree with, some you may not. Right. Yeah. It, does that hold true with like CNN? It holds true, as I as I understand it. It holds true uh, for any entity under the FCC that accepts political commercials. 
Well, see, I want I want to put a commercial now, together. Now, the now CNN may be exempt because of it, it's outside of the realm of the FCC. CNN may okay, be exempt, well, but the local but commercial. the local television to, stations would not be, or the national okay, television. I, want, I wanted to put a uh, commercial together and and run it um, by crowdfunding it here, but it would start off with you know Biden talking about you know come on man I'm not I'm not going to shut down the country yeah. I'm going to shut down the virus yeah. And and then move into a picture of the border with the, the bridge with thousands of people yeah. and tell how many gazillion illegals and how many thousand pounds of fentanyl came across. Yeah. Then move to a picture of the chaos in Afghanistan, yeah. talking about uh, or Ex- the inside the of extraordinary a success sentence of his. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. saying okay, you know, here's the biggest retreat disaster in the world because he put. Uh, the, the State Department in charge rather than the military, and we lost X number of people and billions of dollars. That he called an go extraordinary a, success. Don't forget that go, part. Yeah. Go to a picture of an abandoned oil field, and then next to that, a gas station sign showing four-plus <laughs> gallons of gas, yeah. um, talking about how he took us from being an oil exporter to being energy dependent. Then shoot to a picture of uh, empty shelves in D.C. and ships lined up off of Long Beach, as far as you can say, see, and, and talk about Biden's policies that have given us empty shelves and logistical snarls. And there's a whole potload more. But at the very end, um, I don't know if you saw the other day, Fox News had a picture of a gal, um, older gal, looked like a very typical um, New York liberal um, telling DeSantis what an idiot he was, but if they could get that picture of that lady with a voiceover from um, Fran from the nanny that said, thank God we got rid of Trump's mean tweets. (laughs) I think that would be a great ad, Mark, and um, network television and the local affiliates uh, and every radio station that airs any political commercials would be, if you're willing to buy the time, compelled to run it. Once they accept, they can't distinguish. They can't discern between what they can and can't accept. It's an odd little thing. That's why we have the message. Some people say, why are you running that person's ad? Or why? It's, a, it's, it's a quirk of being regulated by the FCC, but it's a quirk that has to uh, exist uh, for the television stations as well. I like the cut of it, Mark. Um, if you ever do it and want some help, let me know. Uh, happy to lend my... Whatever expertise I can, happy to do so. The Hallmans on deck. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 